it was uh, kind of one of those crazy things. At the movies, kind of flew by. Everything got moving. I was thinking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. My boys wanted me to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but my daughter's birthday was yesterday, and I said to her, I said, in honor of your birthday weekend, what would you like? And she said, Frozen, because that's what any girl under the age of 10 that has uh, lived in the last, since, you know, basically since Thanksgiving would say is Frozen. So um, it is not a movie that is exactly uh, 2014. It actually came out in 2013, so we're breaking the rules on that. But it has come out since our last At The Movie series, so, so we're okay. We're able to c- do this. Um, I'm not sure if you realize this, but summer's over. Still a little warm outside. I was in Phoenix last week. It was really warm outside. But um, you'll see our backpacks are right here. Today's our last day. Tomorrow's our last day to bring in the backpack. So if you have some stuff um, and uh, it's like kind of one of those things, you're like, oh, I forgot to do it. We'll take them till Wednesday. Today was kind of the last day we are going to do it and tomorrow. But uh, we're going to take those till Wednesday so we can make sure to get the kids in our, uh, in our schools around here. Some backpacks for those who, uh, who aren't able to do that. Um, I just can't, I can't believe how quickly everything's gone by. Uh, we just did... Seems like we just did Maleficent, which was our first movie of the, of the summer movie series. Uh, we wrapped up our, uh, our first little chunk of at the, the, the Gospels series that we were doing as we were walking through the Gospels chronologically. So we jumped into the movies and just, just flew by. And, and in the process, it's just this coincidental thing, uh, Dave, uh, as you spoke to us, I don't know how long ago now, it seems like yesterday, but at the same time, uh, quite a while ago, about X-Men, and you kind of laid out your seven inescapable themes for a movie. And it's just amazing how many of these movies have those. I'm just really impressed. I will be very honest with you. I went and saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last night, um, and there wasn't anything in it. I watched it and went, there is no point to this movie whatsoever other than Turtles kicking tail that that was it that was the only point of that movie so i don't go looking for anything and that's another reason why i couldn't bring that instead of frozen this week because there wasn't anything to talk about uh but um you know it is it was amazing just to see every movie that we bring together all seems to tie the points together everything has this this idea of a redemption story that is in it and even in frozen it is there but as we walk through at the movies it kind of got to the point somebody said well, why don't you do at the movies all the time i said because you do the same movie all the time and it would be the same story all the time you have to make a new twist and 52 of those would just get a little boring after a while so uh what we're going to do is we're going to get back to the gospels here shortly uh we're going to do a few things in the next few weeks but right after labor day we're going to get back into the gospels and kick off sermon on the mount so i'm looking forward to that but over the last four weeks it's been kind of crazy to watch everything fall even in our slogan as we started with that come as you are, and we talked about uh, the edge of tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie about dying to yourself and coming exactly as you are, and just that, that change that, that takes place there in the one that we talked about with how to train your dragon too. And as we talked about, you have a calling that you're called to, and, and we're supposed to be changed to reach out to that calling. And then uh, we went into Transformers Age of Extinction and talked about how do we reach a world that doesn't want to be reached, that doesn't really particularly like the Christian message, doesn't really like what's going on there. And as you kind of looked at that, we said, hey, we need to just be salt and we need to be light. And then last week, uh, I, I'm thankful for Mike for coming and, and filling in for me. Uh, Mike Napier came and he spoke on Million Dollar Arm. And that was one I was really looking forward to. That was one of the movies I saw right up front. Uh, somebody had given us free tickets when we went and saw it with all of our kids. And just really cool to see the idea of investing in people and being a disciple and making disciples and how important that is in the change in the world part. But like I said, today we're wrapping up with Frozen. 
And as we wrap up with Frozen, uh, there are some things you need to understand. Uh, we did Frozen with the youth group back in, I don't know, maybe May or so. And we wrapped up at the end of the night with ice cream. And so that was a very important thing that we did again, according to Maley. So I called Nathan, and Nathan brought us a bunch of megabyte ice cream pops of some sort uh, that are going to be hugely messy. So I'm going to encourage you, after Taco Tuesday this week and the carpet cleaning we got to do, I'm going to encourage you, if you could, eat those outside. It's nice out, and God has blessed us uh, with stuff out there to clean up easier than in here. So uh, I'm just going to encourage you with that, but there are a ton of them in that freezer, so make sure you grab one before you leave. Uh, and if you want to eat them in your car, fine, fine. But I'd rather you stuck around with us and talk with us, but it, just one way or another outside of here. That'd be awesome. So... Um, but uh, so we have that, and as we talked about it with youth, we talked about the idea of fear. How many of you guys have seen Frozen, just out of curiosity? Okay, that's, that's kind of what I assumed. I, I, don't, I don't think there's too many people in here that haven't. Uh, we actually saw it on Thanksgiving weekend, and I think I've seen it a hundred times since then. But the, uh, the, the idea of that, that fear that, that is in there, and there's so many little messages. There's the, the little Olaf snowman that says, hey, you know, some people are worth melting for, and just that idea of the... Of the the, the redemption and the, and the Christ-like figure, and, and there's one in Olaf, and there's one in, uh, in Anna, as I've mispronounced her name many, many times, and mainly always gets on my case, because it is Anna, it's not Anna, and I, I, I apologize if I make that mistake sometime tonight, but there's so many little things you see in it, but there's something that stood out to me, even as, as I heard this song for the thousandth time this week, the song you guys were singing along to during the, the meet and greet, let it go, let it go. How many of you guys have heard that song and, and know the words? Like to the memory point where you didn't have to look at the screen. It wasn't one of those things you were like, oh, what's, oh, I didn't know that was it. No, you knew exactly what it was. In case you're not that person, let me, let me read these words to you really fast in case you haven't heard it. Uh, no, I will read it. I will read it. <laughs> the snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen or king for me reading it. The wind is howling like the swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. This next part is one of the one I kind of highlighted here. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. And as I, I hear that song, and it's something that I'm not joking, it has been played at least and I'm 1,000 times in my house. Uh, yeah, I know. And, and that's why I say at least, because I don't know. I lost count at numbness time. You know, the thousands when everything goes blank. But um, we, we are one of the 12.5 million people that have that soundtrack. Um, do you realize how much money the movie Frozen has actually made? It is at the $1.3 billion mark right now. $1.3 billion. It is beat out Lion King, who used to be Disney's highest producing movie. It is beat out Lion King. It is third only in a, a total profits to Toy Story, which has been out for, what, 12 years, and Winnie the Pooh, which has been around since the 60s or 50s. I don't know how long it's been around. Those are the only two Disney groups of characters that have made more money overall in selling everything, except it just blows me away. I mean, it's just a, just a small movie, but um, the, the, the whole thing is, is as I thought about this song and heard it over and over and over again, and I hear it in Maylee. She has her own dance moves to it. It's ridiculous, but um, the, uh, it's, it's funny at the same time because she starts doing it, and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, this is the move to it. I'm like, 
since when? Do they have a YouTube video that you watch that I, that I haven't? And, but she, she goes out there, and she's dancing around, and I hear the words to it. And I think, I know Disney didn't in, intentionally do this, but I think they're singing those words to the church. And I know you're like, wait a second, how could that possibly be? The church is an amazing community, and I, I want to tell you all thank you so much for your prayers and, and just support. And, and uh, me being gone last week, my mother passed away last Thursday at 59, completely unexpected. We loaded up Thursday, uh, Friday morning. My sister flew in from Colorado to here, drove out with us out to Phoenix. And uh, it was just a whiz-bang. Everything moved really, really fast. But, you know, I have no idea how, other than God's grace, God's mercy, God's power, that I was able to preach my mom's funeral. And I didn't, didn't shed a tear. I, and it's not from being cold. It's not from being anything. It was, I just had a peace about the fact that I knew where my mom's at. And the fact that, that, that I, I knew that, again, I would see her. I knew that she had no more hurt in her body. I knew that she would not fight demons anymore. I knew that, that all the little things that, that, were, that made up her life were all taken care of now. And that was an amazing thing. And, and your prayers, I'm sure, helped me through all of that, so I appreciate that. But, um, you know, even, even as I, I think about the church community, even as I think about the church in general and whole, how often are we somebody, when we walk in here, that's different than is what out there, is what's out there? How often do we, do we put on something different? Do we hide who we really are to come into the church? We're, we're somebody different at work, we're somebody different at home, we're somebody different in our marriage, we're somebody different with our kids, we're somebody different out the sports field, watching a ball game, I think most people are that way. Uh, but the, the idea of coming into a church, we put on this face, this facade, this mask that covers it up, we, we hide. We hide, and as I thought about this idea of, of this song saying, you know, my fears are, are gone, they, they can't touch me anymore they, they can't get in there they can't mess with my mind I, I'm in isolation and, and you know that's helping me there's all these things as I think about what those words were saying and I thought you know how in the world could we talk about taking off that mask and I got to thinking you know last year or at the movies we did Lone Ranger I'm not sure if you remember that and at the, it was at the end of the summer as well and I said we did the Lone Ranger uh, I gave you a, and, and if you remember this, amazing. Okay, I'm just going to let you know that because I went back and went, oh, yeah, that's good. I remember that. Um, uh, after looking at it, reading it, and going through it, but I called it the PG Chick Flick. You guys remember that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Nobody does. I could tell by looking at your faces. But the PG Chick Flick was this. is the things we're supposed to put on rather than a mask. And that PG Chick Flick was patience, gentleness, compassion, humility, kindness, forgiveness, love, and kindness. And we did kindness twice because... We just need a little extra dose of that sometimes, don't we? And I said, you know, I could go back and probably do that exact same message again, and nobody would know the difference. Uh, and I'd been gone all week, so how much easier would that have been? But I said, no, no, that's, that's not it. Instead, I think, instead of wearing the mask, instead of wearing the mask, that, that we should take it off and be genuine. Be real. Be who we're called to be. Be who Jesus died for. He didn't die for that false you know, perfect person that we, we try and put on when we come to church. Because, you know, the, when we really think about it, what kept Elsa locked in her room for all those years? And then when she finally got out of the room, made her 
real quick hide her hands and then go out into the wilderness because people found out. It was fear of people knowing who she really was, wasn't it? How many of us are afraid to let people really know who we are? We had a men's Bible study on this, uh, this last Sunday morning, and we've been going through a book, and, and it got to confession. And the, the angle of the book was more along the lines of the Catholic confession, and it was talking about, you know, going and confessing to a priest and so on and so forth. And, but as we looked at it, I said, you know, how often do we go to one another and confess our sins to each other? To a friend. I mean, we'll confess our sins to God, but you know how much easier it is to confess your sins to God than it is to a friend? It's easy to confess to God because he already knows, and he kind of can't hold you, or won't. He can. He won't hold you really accountable because you can just go back and say, oh, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. But if you go to a friend, you can't do that because they're going to punch you in the throat. You know, that, that's, the, that's the, well, at least that's the kind of friends I have. But um, the, the thing is, is that we, we have this really hard time of being real. We have a really hard time because we don't want people to know exactly who we are. But when we get to the spiritual part of it all, when we look at it spiritually, who did Jesus come and die for? In Matthew uh, chapter 9, in Mark chapter 2, and in Luke chapter 5, it's actually recorded. He's talking, and he says, but when he heard it, this is Matthew 9, 12, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Who did he come and die for? The well, the perfect, or the sick, and the ones who are hurting, and the ones who are broken. So why is it when we come to the church, we have this crazy idea that we have to be perfect when we walk in here? And it's the very God's honest truth that I think every one of us struggle with it in some way, shape, or form. And, And maybe I'm just going out on a limb here, but I try and make sure my kids are on their best behavior. Anybody else like that? I try and make sure that I don't have a stain on my shirt when I walk in. And there's more times than one that I'm like, hey, grab something real quick. We got to go. And it's like, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? You know, that kind of, you know, that's why I wear black shirts now. Um, but the, the whole thing is we, we try and put on this, this image perfection of, of exactly how it's supposed to be. But God didn't come for the perfect people because the perfect people didn't need him. You know what did he need, that who needed him? It was those who were sick and broken. And, you know, I think when we realize that we're sick and we're broken, we can realize that this is how God can change us, and this is how God can use us. I'm just going to share a quick side story. Uh, This is one of those rabbit trails you were talking about, Melissa. Not in my notes whatsoever. My mom, um, she was all over the place, Uh, mentally, physically, uh, emotionally. She was kind of a a train wreck sometimes, and other times she was great. Uh, and And she would be the first one to admit that as well. And there was a time my stepdad passed away when I was uh, 17 years old. And it was an accident, uh, a tractor accident. actually rolled over on top of him. uh, And we were all there. And it was just kind of one of those crazy, wow, what do we do kind of moments. One mom went into this weird funk. In the process of being a weird funk, she was staying up. She started hallucinating. In the process of hallucinating and all that stuff, she ended up in a mental institution. Well, she made a lot of friends in the mental institution, okay? Uh, Not the choice of place where I would make friends at. But she did, because she could talk to anybody. She, she was just like that. And she started bringing, when she got out, she started bringing these people, kind of like our house became a halfway house. And uh, I had a five-year-old brother and a six-year-old sister at the time. And I'm like, these are not the people I want influencing my little brother and little sister. And this is, this is who I was. I was judgmental. Okay, I'll just be honest with you. And I was like, I don't want these people here. And this lady, her name was Barb. And Barb was... Uh, 
Barb was a paranoid schizophrenic with multiple personality disorder. That is not who you want hanging out in your house with your five and six-year-old. One of her personalities was a five-year-old little boy, and she would turn into this five-year-old little boy, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. I mean, I could write books. But th- she would play with my little brother, and they, were, they would talk like two five-year-olds would, and I would watch it and go, what in the world is going on here? And I was just, this, is, this isn't right. And time went on. They would do things. I got married. I kind of made my own life over here and said, I'm not going to be a part of all that stuff that's going on. My mom can make her own choices. My grandparents would intervene, do different things like that. Well, at the funeral, Barb was there. She hadn't talked to my mom in years. And Barb stands up and, go, and, and she goes, and, and actually, I, I was slightly afraid. I'll be, uh, at, when I went to hand her the mic, I was like, oh, please, God. <laughs> and she says, you know, your mom is the one who introduced me to Jesus. Your mom is the one who went out out of her way to love on me when I was unlovable. Your mom was the one, no matter how out there I was, she was out there with me. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. She goes, now I'm in charge of a ministry, an international ministry that reaches thousands of people for Christ every year. And I said, who am I to judge something like that? And as you see it, and you think about it, and we think, man, we, we think we have to come in perfect to church. We think we have to have this mask on. Man, when that lady would come to church, that's when I'd scoot over here and be like, oh, I don't, I don't know her. You know, that, that kind of thing. And now you sit back and you go, I never in my life would have reached that woman for Christ. I never would have had that opportunity, but my mom did. And we all have these special gifts, and we all have to understand we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be who God made us to be to reach out to the people who God has us in contact with. And the first thing is, is in wearing that mask and realizing to take it off, we have some facts that we need to understand to make taking that mask off easier, making walking in the church doors just a little bit easier that you don't have to be perfect when you walk in here. The first thing is, is that you're not perfect. Fact number one is you are not perfect. And guess what? You'll never be perfect. Never. I know it comes as a shock to you, but sin is ugly, and it's embarrassing, and we like to hide it. We like to think as if we are not sinners for some way, some, some mental thought somewhere along the lines in churches that people come into the church and they are good enough. And they don't have this nastiness of sin. But the Bible's very clear that we are all sinners. Not only are you not perfect, but neither is anybody else that's in here. So when you look and you compare yourself to somebody else or whatever you might do, stop it. We're all imperfect. But the cool thing is, is that we are all followers of Christ. Or we are geared that way. Or we have questions about how to be that way. We want to change. And that someday, like I said, the peace that I have is knowing that my mom doesn't struggle with anything anymore. And, and to think that someday we're going to have that perfect We're going to be where we need to be. That's awesome. But here isn't it. We still struggle. We still have all this stuff. And, you know, I think everybody understands in their head that we're not perfect. But somehow in our heart, we don't. We we like to think the church has it all together. That our our clothes have to be presentable. That our kids have to be quiet. That all those kind of things. And and part of it is is our own feeling. And part of it is the person sitting next to me. Because if your kid makes a noise and you get that grumpy old person look to you and you're like wait a second whoa hey i i'm sorry i apologize you know that that that, that's just it that's the way the the culture of the church has this this way to feel 
It even comes to the end of the service when I say, hey, if you need me to pray with you, please come forward. And maybe inside you're like, I really do need you to pray with me. I really do need that. But if I stand up, everybody's going to know that I'm not perfect. Well, guess what? Everybody else isn't perfect too. So it's okay. It's okay to come forward. It's okay to have that. Uh, Mark Iaconelli, uh, he used to be in charge of this group called Youth Specialties. And he wrote a book called Messy Spirituality. And I remember this, I, I found this quote and was like, oh, I got to share this. Because uh, when I read it, I thought, this is the way it is sometimes in life. This is what he wrote. He said, for a period of time, we were lucky to have a house cleaner, a housekeeper, I'm sorry. She would come in once a week to dust, vacuum, and clean every little out-of-the-way corner of our house. I dreaded the day she came because my wife and I would spend all morning cleaning the house for the housekeeper. <laughs> we didn't want the house to be dirty, or what would the housekeeper think, right? Isn't that kind of our mentality when we come before God, when we come to church? We spend all the time we can to put on the mask to make our family look great. And I, well, I've said it before. We argue all the way to church and fight right up to the second we open the door in the parking lot. And everybody's like, smile. <laughs> smile now. You know, that angry smile. And then we go out and we do our thing. We put on that face. But the truth is, we're all a mess. We're all a mess. And once we admit how unlovable we are, how unattractive we are, how lost we are, that's when Jesus shows up. That's when Jesus shows up. Just like it says in Matthew 9, 12, he came for the sick, not for the healthy. 1 John 1, 8 actually says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now you may say, I've never said I'm not a sinner, but sometimes we just try and act that way, don't we? We have that action that speaks so much louder than words. We're not perfect, so take off the mask. Second fact is this. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. It's okay to admit that you need help, and it's okay to admit that you don't have it all together. It's okay to be there. It's all right. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. You've probably heard it a hundred times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. You know Why? Because we don't have it all together. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make our path straight. Lean on God. Trust in him. Take off the I know it all. I've got it all together. Life is so simple and easy to navigate. Mask. Take that off. Because we understand that it's not. Everybody deals with something somewhere along the line. It's amazing when I sit and listen to people talk and go, how did you get to where you are? And you hear the little nuances that happened in their lifetime, and this popped up, and that popped up, and this popped up, and that popped up, and that's how they became who they were. And you're like, yeah. And people look at me, and I could share story after story after story. And it was great sitting with family, because that's what we did. And we all laughed, and went, that's why we're crazy. You know, that was it. It was all because of how we were brought together, how many crazy relatives I have, how many crazy parents I have as a matter of fact and I say how many because I got lots of them it's just it's just the, that's the way it is that's how we got to where we're at we don't have it all together life isn't simple it hasn't been so we can take that off nobody has it all figured out fact number three you're not like anybody else you're not like anyone else why do people wear masks why do people put on the masks that cover them up is it so they can fit in with everybody else absolutely but we're not like everybody else. We're not that way. We are unique. And the real danger comes in imitating somebody's actions when we fail to imitate Jesus' heart. Because that becomes an empty Christianity, an empty spirituality, a religious version 
not what Christ wants. He wants us to imitate him, not others. And he had plenty to say about people who are acting. You've heard the word hypocrite before. Do you realize in the Bible it's mentioned 17 times? You know who says it all 17 times? Jesus. He says it all 17 times. It actually comes from the word that's for Greek for actor or play actor. And as you read it, you see these different things in Matthew chapter 6, which we'll get to, like I said here shortly, when we get back into, into the Gospels and we get into the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus so aptly says it in Matthew 6. He warns against giving just so everybody else can see you about giving the tithe. In Matthew 6, he also warns against praying just to be seen by other men. And later in Matthew 6, he warns against fasting just for the attention. He says, it's not about trying to fit in. It's not about just imitating somebody else's actions. It's about imitating Christ. I read a a commentary that talked about hypocrisy and it said this, hypocrisy is play acting. Hypocrisy consists in attempting to imitate the people of God or to assume the appearance of being religious without actually surrendering wholly to the will of God. That's when we try and be what everybody else wants to be versus be who Christ wants us to be. That is where we need to come at. We realize we're not like everyone else, so we need to stop trying to be. We could take off that mask and let God change us. And you know what? Each and every one of us are in a different part of that process. Each and every one of us are being changed, but nobody's reached where we need to be. We need to remember that. Fact number four, you're an unfinished product. You're an unfinished product. Take off the mask because he's still making us. He's still molding us. I'm not sure if you remember, it's been probably at least two, maybe three years since we watched a video called The God Chisel. And maybe you've seen it online or time or two before, but it's it's a powerful presentation that I couldn't recreate if I wanted to, so I've, uh, I've asked uh, Melissa to Ephesians go ahead and play that for us. says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer, and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, Do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? 
I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty 
wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character when you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways could... are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug... You think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me. And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, 
then use me then. God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. I love that video. See, the Bible says a lot about being unfinished. Philippians 1, 6 says, And I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, we're not done yet. We're kind of like uh, cookies. We're not fully baked. We're still a little gooey in the middle. Some of us a little gooier than others. But that's just the reality of it all. Philippians three twelve says, Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. No matter how much we've grown, we still have more to grow. No matter how mature we think we are, we still have more maturing to go. And as long as we want to grow more, as long as we want to allow Him to change us, He will be there, even in the messiest situation that we have. As we walk out and talk about being real, talk about taking off the mask, talk about being genuine, that, that PG chick flick thing, the L that's in there, love. As we, as we stand and we think to ourselves, how can, how can I be genuine? How can I be what Christ has made me? Realizing that I am a masterpiece of God. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. It's amazing to me, if you look at the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches throughout each one of those letters, it seems like they had this struggle with who they were in Christ. And he had to reiterate over and over and over again with them that, that Christ died for them. And that they are worth one Jesus. And that we are worth one Jesus to God. And that's an amazing thing to think about. And as we come to that realization that we could take off this mask and just be genuine, look what he tells to the Romans. In Romans chapter 12, at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, we've talked about it. He says, hey, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Offer yourself up, that that holy and pleasing sacrifice to God. And a few verses later in verse 9, he picks up and says this, let love be genuine. Let your love be without hypocrisy is what it's actually translated. Don't do so much on the outside with love to make yourself look better or don't do so much with love to cover up the sins you have on the inside, but let it be genuine. Don't let it be fake. 
And that's why he says what he says next. Abhor or regard with disgust and hatred that which is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know, we've said it since day one. It's not about us. It's not about us. And so often, what is hypocrisy? What is putting on a mask? It's making us look better. But no, we're supposed to serve God. It's not about us. It's about lifting him up and showing and glorifying him in the way that he's changed me and what he's brought me from. It's amazing how, how many people were at the funeral that came up to me and said, man, God is really changing you. And I'm like, is that a mean I was what when I was little? But it goes on from here. It says in verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable and in the sight of all. If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, I think we get frozen in being who we want to be for everybody else, who we think everybody else wants us to be. And it's what God wants to be that really should matter. He wants to be people that offer our bodies as living sacrifices to, to give up us for him. One last illustration, and I'll close it up. There's a scene in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie, but it was actually a book before it was a movie. I know that's surprising to you. But the white witch, he's ta- she's taken many of the creatures of Narnia, and she has used them in, in her, her garden, uh, and she's turned them to stone. And, and they've all become this frozen stone statues, and, and there's a scene where, where Aslan comes, and Aslan is the, is the lion who's the Christ-like figure in the, in the story, and he comes and he breathes his life onto them, and they melt down. And there's a whole change in scene. I'm actually going to read you something from the, from the book. Like I said, yes, it is a book before it was a movie. Uh, but this is what it says. It says, the courtyard looked no longer like a museum. It looked more like a zoo. Creatures were running after Aslan and dancing around him till he was almost hidden in the crowd. Instead of all that deadly white in the courtyard was now a blaze of colors. Glossy chestnut sides of centaurs, indigo horns of unicorns, dazzling plumage of birds, ready brown of foxes, dogs and satyrs, yellow stockings and crimson hoods of dwarves, and the birch girls in silver, and the beach girls in fresh transparent green, and the larch girls in green so bright it was almost yellow, and instead of a deadly silence, the whole place rang with the sound of happy roarings, brayings, yelpings, barkings, squealings, cooings, neighings, stamping, shouts, hoorahs, songs, and laughter. I fear that many of our churches have turned to the stone cart courtyard because everybody's trying to be what everybody else wants them to be. And they become covered. And everybody's the same. Instead of being what Christ has created us to be, to be the individuals that we are, to be the body of Christ, to be the hands, the feet, the eyes, whatever it might be, whatever he's called us to be, instead of trying to all be the same thing, to go and be what he's called us to be. 
instead of just a group of identical statues, but real people, unmasked and unfrozen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for who you are. And thank you for the way that you have created me and that you have shaped me into who I am. And I'm thankful for each way that you are shaping people throughout this room, that you are chiseling out the things that we have. Because yet, God, none of us are perfect. Help us to understand that. Help us to grasp that in our minds. Help us to wrap our minds around the fact that we are not perfect and that you haven't called us to come to church perfect. That the first time we step out of that car, we come exactly as you are and you begin changing us. You begin working on us. You begin glorifying yourself in us. God, I don't know who's struggling with that in here right now. But as you're working in our hearts and as you're working in our minds, I pray, God, right this very moment, you switch that bunch of lies off and we look to you of who we're supposed to be imitating. Look to you, to who you've created us to be, who you want us to be, how you want us to reach a group of people that maybe nobody else in our sphere could reach, that nobody else in our church could reach, that God, you've placed each one of us in our place to change our world with your love. God, even as we sing tonight, even as we lift up praise to you, continue to change our heart. Continue to make it where it's not about us. And Lord, even as we open this this time up, that God, if you are working in somebody who just needs prayer, to help them to stand and understand it's not about being perfect. It's about getting closer to you and becoming more like you. We pray it all in your name. Amen.